You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 48 Cake Under Fire Porthos was worried about Athos. Porthos always worried about Athos. It was a familiar background noise ever since she and Aramis found the miserable drunkard clinging to the side of a mountain, half dead and drenched in the mud of valour so many years ago. Not worrying about Athos was like not Sonic cleaning her teeth, uncomfortable and itchy and wrong. Having said that, there were times in her life when she had particular reason to worry about Athos. His recent brush with a Stims overdose in the middle of a battle was a fine example. Not to mention the many ships he had managed to crash and burn since becoming a musketeer. He was made of steel, but fragile. Porthos had seen Athos at his lowest ebb last joyeux, when he fell victim to a terrorist drug that gave him hallucinations of his dead husband and drove him near suicide. Now that the husband in question was still alive, and an enemy alien, it should have broken Athos even harder. Porthos was still waiting for evidence that it had not. When Athos returned to their backroom rendezvous in Dovecote Red, his eyes alight with energy and a goddamn smile on his face, the last thing she expected him to say was, I know where my lord is going next. And I know how to stop him. Where's the boss? Hang on, said Porthos, wanting to get this straight. You saw him? Yes, we had a lovely chat. Seriously, where's Treville? She couldn't make it, Aramis said. Sent a brief coded message by Fleetnet. She's stuck on the bastion for the foreseeable future. They're under extreme fire from the sun-kissed, and no shuttles can safely go back and forth. Fine, said Athos, grinning like a lunatic. We'll go to her. Pack a picnic. It'll be fun. Aramis blinked. They're under extreme fire from the sun-kissed right now. No shuttles can safely go back and forth. She repeated with greater force. Darts are faster and more manoeuvrable than shuttles, said Athos, as if that was a reasonable response. Athos, said Dana, you spoke to my lord. Why didn't you arrest him? He's so far in the cardinal's pocket she'd spring him before we had the handcuffs closed, said Athos. But he's already failed her once with a diamond bullshit. If we make sure he fails his next mission, I think she'll finally wash her hands of him. That's when we can move in and nab him for good. And what is his next mission? Porthos asked, seriously wondering if they needed to call in a medic to give Athos a shot of something. When had he last slept? When had any of them? To assassinate the Duchess of Buckingham, said Athos. Come on, to the bastion. I wasn't kidding about the picnic. Treville's always more amenable to crazy stunts if she's not hungry. Is there anywhere around here that sells cake? At least he was admitting that the stunt was crazy. Athos, we can't get to the bastion, said Aramis. 
Treville's command ship, the Saint-Gervais, was referred to as the Bastion because it had almost impregnable space armour. We'll get shot out of the sky by the sun-kissed if we try to board her. I know, said Athos. But if we disappear in the middle of this war, without warning Treville, it'll be our own people who shoot us out of the sky. I say it's worth the risk. Also, cake. He nodded as if he was making complete and total sense. You're going to get us killed, said Dana. Mercilessly, if not by the sun-kissed, then by Admiral Treville. Porthos sighed. I can source the cake, she admitted. There was nothing in the known universe Porthos had achieved in her life more fortunate than hiring an NG who was a stress baker. Bonnie was easygoing most of the time with her huge sprawling family who genuinely seemed to like each other and her no-nonsense philosophy on life. She was the most well-adjusted person that Porthos knew. When they were setting the Hoyden up together, back when Porthos first joined the Musketeers, Bonnie's one demand had been a bread oven, along with the more standard food printer. When Porthos protested, she hadn't known any better. Bonnie devoted the next 12 hours to teaching her the difference between printed and freshly baked bread. Porthos had never argued with Bonnie about anything kitchen-related ever again. That was before she realised that when under pressure, or stressed, or bored, or any combination of the three, her engie would bake her way into infinity and beyond. War, with its long waits between short bursts of terror and danger, was highly stressful, and allowed for a great deal of uninterrupted baking time. Porthos had no idea if Athos knew that her ship was basically full of cake at this point, or if he had subconsciously picked up the scent of chocolate ganache where it had infused into her uniform. But his request was for once easy to fulfil. At least, the cake part was. Two hours after Athos burst into the back room with wild eyes and a determination to crush Milord and the Cardinal in a bizarre cake-related scheme, Porthos stood on the bridge of the Saint-Gervais musket-class base, holding a covered basket and feeling like an idiot. Amaral Treville, her massive muscled shoulders expanding as she faced them down, vibrated with fury. What the hell kind of stunt was that? Athos gave Treville his wickedest grin the one he saved for special occasions, like having to explain how he nearly got himself and his friends shot out of the sky while technically off duty. Not that special once you started adding all those occasions up. Boss, we had urgent intelligence and it really couldn't wait, he began, but Treville cut him off. The four of you sailed directly through a barrage of enemy fire, during an active operation to board a command vehicle without prior notification over the comms. Oh, and you did it in a bright green dart, which is not yet cleared for battle, nor is it stupid, foolhardy, reckless addict of a pilot. Athos's grin widened. 
You forgot to mention the part where we brought you cake. Cake? Treville's eyes bulged. Porthos had never seen her angrier. I'd like to interject at this point, Aramis said helpfully, and let you know that I personally checked Athos's blood readings before letting him fly us here, and he's sober. Treville took this new intelligence on board. Is there some reason that should be a surprise to me, Captain Aramis? Aramis thought about what she'd just said. No, but it might also be of casual relevance to the conversation that he's also not currently on any narcotics, except coffee. Porthos was trying to look like an innocent accomplice, but she thought it more likely that her face currently said, looking for an airlock to jump out of. So this... Treville waved vaguely at Athos's chipper demeanour and the way he was bouncing enthusiastically on his heels. Natural high, boss, Aramis informed her. No, Treville decided, there's nothing natural about that smile on his face. Athos blew her a kiss. Ready room, all of you, Treville barked, marching towards her private quarters. Lacroix, you have the helm. Try not to get us blown up while I'm shouting at musketeers. To be fair, boss, that is the way you'd want to go out. And, oh, Porthos had said that out loud. What the hell had gone into her? Treville gave her a filthy look. Bring the damned cake, Captain Porthos. The basket contained a warm orange honey cake that Bonnie's grandmother had taught her to make, and something sticky involving chocolate and cherries, and a pastry arrangement with cinnamon custard that Porthos wanted to hug to her chest and defend from the harsh perils of the solar system. Since Athos had supervised the packing of the basket, there were also two flasks of champagne and three of hot coffee. Under Treville's judgy eye, while Porthos served out wedges of cake with napkins and tiny forks, Aramis poured the coffee and discreetly nudged the champagne back under the cloth for later. So, said Treville, once she had downed one and a half cups of powerful espresso and fully appreciated several bites of the chocolate and cherries thing. Athos, what the fuck? Sentiment echoed over here, said Aramis, waving her own fork. Assassinations, milord, conspiracies, Buckingham, disgust. Right, said Athos, who had not touched the cake in front of him, but held on to his cup of coffee as if he planned to live there forever. This might be a long story. I will actually kill you, Porthos remarked. Athos got to his feet and began to circle the room. This was bad. Athos always had trouble organising his thoughts when seated and preferred to be active. If they weren't careful, he might end up doing sword lunges in the middle of their impromptu cake party. Porthos stood up, went to him, unfastened the pilot slice from his belt and returned to the table. Continue, she suggested, and saw everyone around the table give a small sigh of relief that he was no longer armed. 
Athos gave her a wounded look. Fine. The Cardinal has hired my Lord de Winter to assassinate the Duchess of Buckingham. He glanced at Treville. We're going to need your official order to head to Valor at all speed and arrest the assassin before he gets to her. Treville considered this, chewed and swallowed a mouthful of soft chocolate sponge. With all due respect to the Duchess of Buckingham, she has her own security. Explain why I'm going to allow four essential members of personnel, because it's too much to fucking hope you don't all expect to go on this mercy dash together, to leave the battle zone and play bodyguard to a pampered aristocrat from a planet about to secede from the solar system any minute that has barely contributed any resources to the war effort. Why I am going to, Porthos noted, not why should I? Honestly, none of them deserved the trust that Treville placed in them. Athos least of all, when he'd pissed away so many second chances. Because, said Athos, circling the table full of musketeers and cake, as he arranged his thoughts, one foot in front of the other, he struggled to get further than that. Because... If you could manage to explain without further maligning the reputation of Her Eminence the Cardinal, that would help, Treville added. Yes, I can see that, Athos mused. It's a challenge, but I'll try. The Cardinal's plan is well-intentioned. She blames Buckingham's influence, and her recent well-publicised breakdown and retreat from public affairs for the lack of enthusiasm towards this war. Among the new aristocrats on valour, anyway. She believes that if carefully managed, Buckingham's death would work as a call to arms. Interesting, said Treville. Tell me again why I am against the scheme, if it means more ships on our side. Because, said Athos, what the Cardinal does not know is that her agent poses a terrible danger to the Crown and the Solar System. He cannot be trusted to follow her agenda, or to do anything that is in the interests of humankind. Treville finished her slice of the chocolate and cherries thing, and started on the orange and honey cake. You think de Winter is a spy for the enemy? He's a sun-kissed, Dana blurted, then drew her eyes back down to her cake. We know that much. We know more than that, said Athos, throwing a sympathetic glance at Dana, though the kid didn't look up in time to see it. My lord has infiltrated the Valor government, rising to a high position. He has acted directly against Crown and Solar System, and I believe he is responsible for acts of terrorism in Paris last year. Porthos almost swallowed her cake fork. The Joyeux attacks? Athos, are you serious? I knew it when I looked into his eyes tonight, Athos said calmly, as if he was not talking about a man he had once loved and married. We know he goes by pseudonyms like Slate and Winter in the course of his work, and the suspect we arrested for those crimes called himself Grey. I thought at the time there was something familiar about him, but I could never quite place it. And you might remember he escaped prison custody after faking his own death. A favourite trick.
There was the bitterness Porthos had been waiting to hear. Some hint that, yes, this was personal for Athos. She had worried that Athos was compartmentalising the situation a little too effectively. Now she had whole new things to worry about. You want us to thwart my lord in his scheme, hoping that the cardinal will drop her protection of him, and we can bring him into custody permanently, Dana said, lifting her face to Athos as if the two of them were the only ones in the room. Save the Duchess of Buckingham. Catch the spy. And convince Buckingham to lead the new aristocrats of valour into this war. Athos added, That's the carrot for you, boss. We'll follow the Cardinal's wishes and bring you ships of valour to help with the siege. And we'll do it without assassinating anyone. An alien spy and a flotilla of imaginary ships, said Treville. Is it my birthday, Athos? We did bring cake. The Admiral nodded. And does anyone wish to tell me why this de Winter, who regardless of the Cardinal's protection is a high-ranking new aristocrat official of the Valor government, and thus has considerable resources of his own, is of any interest to my musketeers? How can you be so sure he's a sun-kissed spy? And why does it matter so damned much to you that he be stopped? Athos stopped pacing near Dana and stared at Treville as if she'd shot a puppy in front of him. My lord personally requested to be freed from the legal consequences of murdering D'Artagnan as a reward for his work, he said quietly. He holds a grudge. Treville gave him a thin smile. That sounds like the end of a story, Captain Athos, not the beginning. Dana took a deep breath, ready to take over her part of the conversation. I should probably explain about Conrad Sue. No, Athos said, his hand briefly brushing her shoulder. No. Shut up, D'Artagnan. It's okay. It's time she knew all of it. He glanced at Porthos with a silent entreaty. Come on, you two, Porthos said brightly. Let's go take a turn about the deck and see how many aliens are shooting at the bastion right now. It'll be fun. She hooked one arm around Aramis's elbow and collected Dana on the way out, leaving Athos and Treville facing each other across a cake-strewn meeting table. So, said Athos, as the door spiralled open to let his friends out of what Porthos was already mentally dubbing the embarrassment zone. Fun story, boss. I used to be married. After 20 minutes or so loitering outside Treville's door, Dana D'Artagnan was making herself sick with worry. Or possibly she'd eaten too much cake. She won't actually kill him and ditch the body out an airlock, will she? If she was ever going to do that to Athos, it would have been when he grew the beard, Porthos assured her. He's her favourite, Aramis added gravely. Porthos had literally bet on Athos in the musketeer most likely to be murdered by our boss sweepstake, but she wasn't going to argue with either of them. When Athos finally emerged, he looked wrecked, as if Treville had beaten him around the head with her office furniture. He had lost all of the manic picnic energy 
that he had used to fuel their flight here. So, asked Aramis, are we riding into the sunset to rescue you-know-who and arrest that other fellow? Subtle, Porthos complimented her. I thought so, Aramis preened. No, said Athos. No, we are not. He looked directly at Dana, as if this was only the start of the terrible news he had to break to her. Treville's not letting us go, and I can't change her mind. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Thank you.